0: Well, good morning. Please open your Bibles to John 15.1, John 15.1 today as we get started. We'll start today with reading from the Holy inspired Word of God, God's Word. It is the source of life, hope, love, and truth. So we'll start there. But as you're turning, allow me to set the stage to remind you where we are. In John 15, Jesus is still talking with his disciples. Please note here, he's talking to believers. So the scripture we're going to read is focused towards believers, not as outreach, not as a gospel presentation to unbelievers, but to believers on how they should live. Jesus is still talking with his disciples. Now it's possible that the scene is still in the upper room as Jesus and the disciples and whoever else may be present is preparing to leave or they have left. And Jesus continues to teach while they are on their way. Personally, I believe that they might have left. As at the end of the last chapter, just before where we are beginning today, Jesus says, rise up, let us go from here. I believe that they are walking, Jesus sees a, and Jesus sees a very common visual. Whether it be a real live vine, as this would be commonly grown in this area, most likely grapes, or possibly Jesus sees the vine engraved in the side of the temple or on the city gates or on a home. And he then uses the visual as an illustration for teaching. You see, the Bible, and especially the teachings of Jesus, have many analogies, many stories to describe God's relationship to his people and to help us to understand, to help us. Because it's not God who needs understanding, it's us. So we see in the Bible God used illustration to help us understand the relationship that He is the Father, God is the Father, and we are this, His children. We see that we are the members of His household. We also see God described as a king, and we are His subjects in Matthew 25. We see Him described as the creator, and we are the creatures in numerous places, but especially in the Psalms. We see God is the shepherd. And we as his sheep. We see God being the builder, and we the building. We see God being the master, and we the servants. We see Christ as our husband, and we as the bride. And we see God is the head and we are the body. But here in chapter 15, we see a different analogy, a different illustration, a different idea. You see, Jesus paints a picture for us of a vine and the branches and the gardener, the caretaker, the vine dresser. And this is all to help us understand the vital relationship of which Jesus is to us. We see the life of a Christian illustrated here. A life of a true follower of Christ. So with that, let's read from the word of God. Please follow along as I read now. In John chapter 15 verse 1 it says, I am the true vine. Now I remind you, Jesus is speaking here still. Jesus is speaking to his followers, to his disciples here. Possibly as they're walking and they see the temple and they see this vine. Possibly Jesus says, look at this vine. And listen as I teach. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Because already you are clean, because the word that I have spoken to you abide in me, and I in you. Let me repeat that. Already you are clean, because the word that I've spoken to you, you have been cleansed. Abide in me, and I in you now, therefore, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and whoever abides in me, I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. To abide in Christ is to remain and or to continue in. To live and dwell in him. Christ always. I want to note before we continue on. That this is the final I am statement of Christ. And this further shows the divine identity of Christ. But what's so amazing is it also describes how we relate with him. As we start, I want to first talk about this concept of abiding, how we relate with Him. The concept of abiding in Christ is one of the most important aspects we can learn from God's Word. The word abide is a verb, and abiding is therefore an action, means to continue, to remain, to dwell, or to live. And therefore we can say this, with great excitement, with great confidence, to abide in Christ is to remain and or to continue in, to live and dwell in Christ. Him, Christ, always. You see, when Jesus says or tells his disciples and us today to abide in him, it means not just to live in him, his ways, his grace, his salvation, his power, but to continue to always live in him, emphasis on always. And speaking of abiding, there's good reason for Jesus' lesson here, Let's take a moment and look at why abiding is so important. I believe there are four points at least which I want us to glean right away. Three of which are from this very scripture we just read. To live in the true vine is to live a Christ abiding life. And I listed these out for you. Number one, the first point in which we can glean or extract or take away from the scripture is this Abiding in Christ directly affects one's life ministry and work and in verse 5 jesus says i am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing next in verse six and we're going to work through these quite fast because these aren't main points throughout the scripture it's just four main points we can glean right away number six verse number six number two Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Judgment. You see, with this point too, of which we can glean, extract, take away right away. Abiding in Christ or the lack of directly affects our eternal life. You do not live with God forever in his heaven without Jesus without redemption of which comes to your life through him. Now, at verse 7, Jesus proclaimed, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And point three then is this. Abiding in Christ directly affects our quality of relationship and our communication with God. It is because of our abiding in Christ that God hears us. And Finally number four and we move away from John 15 for this, but it's still very related in 1 John 3 6 We read whoever abides in him does not sin Finally then point four then is abiding in Christ is in direct relation to our walk with God It's because of our abiding in Christ that we can walk without continually being devoted to sinful living We have this Holy Spirit through Christ his giving that helps convict us and encourage us and teach us and point us in the right direction. You see, an understanding of what it means to abide in Christ is crucial to our life as Christians. The abiding relationship that Jesus had with the Father is what energized and defined his ministry. And similarly, abiding in Christ then energizes us and defines the ministry he does in and through us as well. Speaking of Jesus' his abiding relationship with the Father, when confronting the religious leaders who said he was blaspheming by calling himself the son of God, Jesus said in John 1037 to 38, If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. I may be speaking fast, but what I want you to hear today is you could see how Jesus abides in the Father. You could see this relationship through the works of which he was doing. There was fruit. There was evidence of this relationship. When Philip asked Jesus to show them the Father, Jesus said, we just read this last week, I believe, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. You see, Jesus had an intimate and abiding relationship with the Father. And if this relationship was necessary for his ministry, then how much more is it needed for us to have this same type of abiding, intimate relationship with Jesus in order to live a fruitful, effective life ourselves? This actually, Jesus' prayer for us. And in John 17, 20 to 21, Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This was Jesus' desire for us to have a similar relationship of abiding. And this is why he's giving this lesson it's crucial. It's important for the Christian, the Christ follower, to abide in him. Now, going back to our text now, Jesus says that just as a branch needs to be vitally connected to the vine, vitally, so believers need to be vitally connected to him. Vitally, for life to continue to the fullest, one must always stay connected to the vine. I wrote in my, I wrote in my binding here a little bit, um, in a side note, We must be receiving the sap of life, true life, in order to truly live. Let me say that again. We must be receiving the sap of life, true life, to truly live. Just as Jesus could do nothing outside the Father's will, we can do nothing on our own. We must stay connected to the vine of which is Jesus. We need this vital connection. When we learn how to abide in Christ... He will provide life and strength so that we can live productive and effective, fruitful lives. In addition to this, through being a branch tapped into the true vine, which is Christ, we also tap into his protection, his strengths, his guidance, and his companionship. You see, once again, abiding in Christ is crucial and greatly beneficial well, let's move on now in the first two verses of john 15 there are two important aspects about this abiding relationship of we must know number one we must know and remember continually to always remember that jesus is the vine he is the true vine as he says i am the true vine in john 15:1, why is jesus speaking of a vine here well, we spoke of this briefly already. It's a familiar symbol and one of which Jesus may have pointed out to those who are with him. But also the vine had great historical significance to Israel and God's people too. It represented Israel. Speaking of the vine, Psalm 80 verse 8 says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. This continues in verses 14 to 16, saying, Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. And for the son whom you made strong for yourself, they have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. The psalmist said something here that is disturbing. He said the vine is cut down and burned with fire, but why? What Jesus says in John 15 is significant to help us in our understanding here. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. You see, Israel bore no fruit. And a branch that doesn't bear fruit is cut down, taken out. And burned. Destroyed. This was Hosea's prophecy concerning Israel. And in one translation of Hosea 10.1 in the KJV, I like this translation for this verse. It says, Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. You see, it's not that they didn't bear fruit, but it wasn't for God. It was for themselves. In other words, they lived their lives for themselves instead of for God. The prophet Isaiah talked about Israel being the vine as well. And while God planted it in the best of places so that it might bring forth good fruit to him, instead it produced wild or poisonous fruit for themselves. Now let's get back to the scripture today in john 15 by jesus using the vine symbol for israel and using it now as himself as a true vine he transfers the privileges and responsibilities from the nation of israel to himself and then by association all those that now abide in him as those branches jesus in essence is saying to have an effective fruitful. I don't know if I have this slide here. Here it is. To have an effective, fruitful and eternal life, our connectedness is no longer in association with a religion or denomination, but in Christ, Christ alone. Let me explain. You being in this church today, although good and although commanded by Christ to fellowship with one another, instructed by him of a great value. This is not which provides fruitfulness and eternal life. It's Christ and Christ alone, our faith in him, our devotedness to him, our redemption through him that gives us this. He is the true vine, the genuine one. This means there are false ones, there are counterfeits. All others are false vines which do not provide the vital nutrients needed for life. And in today's world, this may be the false vine, the counterfeit vine of money. People think that money is going to provide all their needs, their happiness, their joy, their hope. Friendships, popularity, success, addictions. People look to these things instead of looking to God. We must stay connected to him for he alone provides life as the vine, the true vine but know this jesus is not a vine a bread of life a light of the world a gate or a good shepherd he is the true vine the bread of life the light of the world the gate the good shepherd and this means there is no other like him he is unique, he is special, He is important. And he alone connects us to the Father, who the scripture says, "Is our vine dresser our caretaker." And this is point number two: The Father is the vine dresser. The father is the caretaker. The father is the gardener. No longer are the religious leaders in this capacity rule. No longer are they the caretakers. Jesus points out that through him is the true vine. The branches, true Christ father followers, are now connected to the, follow, the Father directly. He is the caretaker, and he and he alone will tend to his vineyard. Pruning and cleansing the branches to produce and be fruitful. This may be the Judas it. I skipped a page let's talk about the father's role here as caretakers of his vineyard you see the father who is cutting pruning caring for the vine and branches we see this from scripture but what I want to point out is it is as a gentle knowledgeable gardener one who is looking out for the best interest and growth of the branches which are alive in him to do this the dead branches must be cut out the vine dresser is not there to hurt or kill the plant but to help it grow healthy and produce larger and more beautiful fruit each day week and every year which father follows the father does this through the son jesus of whom we are connected to the vine in and through to the father and looking to verse two we see how he does this we see a two-part process first he removes the unfruitful for dead branches it says in verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. The wording takes away brings with it the idea of being removed forcefully or cut out. You see, it's important that God removes branches, that they do that do not bear fruit, so they don't take away the vital nutrients or block the nutrients from getting the ones which are actually alive and fruitful, living. This verse is also showing us that there are two types of disciples. I wish I would have put this on the screen here. There are two types of disciples. One which is not fruitful and one which is. The one which is not fruitful is not alive as it is cut away. This may be the Judas Iscariot type. One which claims to follow Christ but does not truly believe and carry out the life and ministry of Christ. Let me say this. They may be living near Jesus, but they are not living in or with Jesus. Consider this. Evaluate life, your life. Are you living in Christ? Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life, or are you just sucking up the feelings of God's grace and mercy without giving anything back, without truly receiving Him? As one pastor once said, are you a sucker shoot or are you a branch bearing fruit? Are you exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? Are you exhibiting the f- fruit of the Spirit? The fruit being Galatians 5:22 and 23, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control if you are a branch connected to the true vine you should see these things in your life I'm not saying that you'll never struggle with them but I'm saying you will be able to attain them and display them I said that there's a two-part process here the vine dresser tending the vineyard and here's the second he prunes the fruitful branches he prunes the fruitful branches The words of Jesus in verse 2 continue saying, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You may be thinking there isn't a whole lot of fruit on your branch. But the point is, you have some. You should have some. A true disciple should have fruit, evidence in their life. A true disciple has fruit. And the father, like a vine dresser, a gardener, a caretaker, he prunes you. So that you can produce bigger and better fruit, not just more fruit. You see, the Father's work in our lives is to find a branch that is beginning to bear fruit. Beginning to produce the likeness of Christ. And then to cut it back, trimming off the troublesome shoots so that we may bear more or better fruit. To prune it is to cut back the branch so it can grow stronger. Cleansed of the unhealthy parts. To prune It means to make clean. And so in pruning us, God cleans us, he forgives us, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness or of all which stops us from bearing fruit or from focusing on what really needs to be done, done for him in his kingdom. Our abiding in Christ, therefore, involves our need to be continually cleansed. But hear this, even when we fail to allow God to do this cleansing, it doesn't mean we've lost fellowship or are no longer part of God's family. You see, a child who disobeys their parents, running outside in the rain and getting all muddy, doesn't lose his family name. But they aren't immediately invited to the dinner table either. They have to clean up and put on some new fresh clothes. The cleansing process, God's pruning process, it isn't easy and it more often than not hurts. But he cleanses our life from the bad and makes us good, good through Christ. Cleansed, to bear more Or better fruit Are you bearing fruit A disciple will bear fruit I do want to note here it's not that God forces or causes trials and struggles I truly believe he's not the one that causes them But he does at time allow them And it is for our growth and for his kingdom and glory. And it is out of love. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12.1, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. You see, we shouldn't look upon our suffering as evidence that God doesn't love us, but quite the opposite, that God does love us and that we are indeed part of his family. Because the writer of Hebrews says the Lord disciplines those he loves. The question, however, is how do we maintain this relationship? The key to an abiding relationship with Christ, with Jesus, is found in verse 3. In verse 3, Jesus says, already, again, he's speaking to believers. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. What Jesus is saying is that an integral part of God's pruning process is done through the word. God is pruning us, making us clean through his word. You see like a word, like a mirror, the word of God reveals problems within our life. James 1:23 shows us, and like a knife, the word of God cuts to the heart. Hebrews 4:12 tells us this. And so one big question to ask yourself here then is this. Are you in the word? Regularly, consistently, and I mean not just listening to sermons or podcasts, but having your own quiet time of study. Meditation and prayer. Fellowship with God. God speaks to you through this, through his word. He prunes through this. He betters you to grow more or better fruit. Are you looking at the word like a mirror to reveal? Are you using the word like a knife? To cut out the parts which are bad. It is through his word that will continue to be pruned spiritually. This is the key to having an abiding relationship. Allow God's word to prune you, to cut away the bad. He may ask you to leave certain things in the past. This could be hobbies, interests, or even people. It could be an entire lifestyle. Anything not good for you and your life in him. But it is through this pruning that you are made to grow and bear more or better fruit. It is through this pruning that you're sanctified, made more into the image of Christ. But what does fruit look like? We've talked a lot about fruit. We've talked a lot about evidence. We've talked a lot about what it looks like to be the image of Christ. Well, number one, what does fruit look like? It looks like a life patterned after Jesus' life by having the fruit of the Spirit. Number two, what does a fruitful life look like? It means continually praising God in all situations. Number three, what does a fruitful life look like? People should see your life and see you serving through love those in need. Number four, bringing people to Jesus. Number five, continued service to him and his teachings. You see, true believers obey him. And number six, finally, living with pleasing God in your life. Do you want to know what. Fruitful looks like. Look to these things. Do you want to know if your life is being fruitful. Question yourself. Are you showing these things. Let's work to conclude. Jesus goes on to say in chapter 15 verse 10. If you keep my commandments. You abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments. And abide in His love. Jesus sets the example for our life here. Abide in love. The type of obedience that pleases God and helps maintain this abiding relationship is from a desire to please God and obey in love. It's obedience from a cheerful and joyous heart. Jesus calls his followers, friends. He is a friend that died for us, and we are his friends, John 15, 14 later says, if you obey his commands. The Christian life is following his, his instructions, and they are clearly seen in the Word. The problem is that no one can perfectly keep the commandments, and Jesus knew this. So he reduces the commandments down to one, and it's the commandment to love. It's from this one commandment that all the other commandments stem. And in Matthew 22:37 37 to 40, we see this, where Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love the neighbor as yourself. On these commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You see, in loving God and others, we maintain this abiding relationship and are energized to do his work and ministry. You see... To The key to abiding in Christ is that out of our love for him, we obey his word. And when we do, we will become fruitful and live fruitful, effective lives. And as a bonus, as a bonus in this, we're experiencing the love and joy that only an intimate, abiding relationship with Christ can provide. But all this is only possible by living in and through Christ. Here's my final challenge as we go to prayer. How will you love God and others this week? How will you show kindness to all? God first, then others. Do your relationship with others reflect your relationships with Him? We need to talk about these things around the lunch table today, specifically, talk about. The, the question, how will we love God and others this week? How will we show kindness to all? How are our lives displaying the love of Christ and how we abide, abide in him? Talk about this in your car rides home today. Wherever you go today, may it be on your mind to love God and his people. May it not just be on your mind, though, but in your speech and actions as well. Let's pray and close in prayer. And song now. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that through him we are connected to the vine dresser, the great gardener, the great caretaker. We thank you that through Jesus we receive the great life providing sap that we need and that you continue to always be connected to us. We gain strength, guidance, love, joy, hope, and so much more through you. May we stay connected to you and always look to you. For the life-giving truth, hope, joy, peace, and more that we need. And may people see a display of our life abiding in you through all we do. Amen.